The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord be with you. The second reading today was from the book of Revelation. Probably one of the most confusing books of the Bible. It's the very last one. If you've ever flipped through the Bible, which I'm sure everyone has at some point, you get to that last book and it's all about like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's about like destruction and war and plagues. And then it's this beautiful heavenly Jerusalem, and there's dragons somewhere in there, and you might be left sort of wondering what it all means. And I'm not even going to try to explain what it all means right now. But that little part that we read from Revelation today reminded me of a beautiful painting. So I wanted to use a, a piece of artwork this evening, but I wanted to begin with this little quote from the book of Revelation that we read, talks about the, the life-giving water that will be given to those around the throne of the Lamb. And so there's this painting that is probably, arguably, the most sought-after piece of work in at least the Western world. It's been stolen seven times by now. And thankfully, it's been found seven times. The first ones to steal it were uh, French revolutionaries with Napoleon. And they had it for a while. And then after Waterloo, they had to give it back. And then uh, stolen by some art thieves and returned in part. There's a part missing. Then World War I comes and the Germans steal it. And then they have to give it back in the Treaty of Versailles. It was listed there the only piece of artwork to really ever be in a war treaty, and they had to give it back. And then in World War II, it was stolen again by the Germans. They really wanted it, so they took it again, and then they had to give it back. And so uh, it's the Ghent altarpiece by Jean van Eyck. And here it is, the, the uh, middle scene about the throne of the Lamb. So get a good look because it'll probably be stolen before too long and then you'll have to wait to see it again. This was painted 600 years ago and this is a, a painter who was uh, painting a, a, an altarpiece for a baptismal font. Now if we kind of go a little closer and look at the throne or the altar, you see this lamb in the center. And we all know who the lamb of God is. I don't have to say who he is. In a few moments on the altar, when the bread has been consecrated, I'll hold up that white host and I'll say, behold the lamb of God. And we all know that that's Jesus. You see, Jesus was the lamb that God sent. 
We needed a lamb from heaven, you could say. The Jewish people, our older brothers and sisters in the faith, had been in the temple on Passover, been sacrificing those unblemished lambs to what they hoped would take away sin. But it was never enough. The only way we could truly take away sin for once and for all would be if that lamb was a lamb from God, the lamb of God. And Jesus, when he died in our, we remembered this last Holy Week, he died on the cross the same day and time when they would have been in the temple sacrificing those lambs. Around the lamb, you see the angels, and they're holding the instruments from our Lord's passion. The cross is there, the column that he was chained to when he was uh, scourged, the crown of thorns, the, the nails, the spear that went into his side. The angels are holding those. These are, these are horrible things, but because of Christ's salvation, they are beautiful things in the light of heaven. Now, the book of Revelation tells us that from the four corners of the earth, all the saints will arrive to the throne of the Lamb. If you really think about what that means, John, who had the vision of Revelation, says he saw people of every race and tongue and time. That what that actually means for us here is that John hopefully saw us in that moment if you really think about what that means we are called to be those saints around the throne of the lamb and so hopefully he saw us because if he didn't see us around the throne of the lamb there's only one other option really in the grand scheme of things where you could have ended up so if we go to the top left corner we see one of the groups of people coming this is a group of men and in front of the men there are a few of the saints of the time uh, that von Eich was painting. I actually can't remember who they are, but they were important back then, and they're holding palm branches. That's a symbol of being in heaven, to be a saint. So the men are coming from that one corner. In the bottom left corner, in the next slide, you'll see men from ancient times, the Old Testament times. And you have these men that are holding these books open. These are Bibles from the Old Testament. So the prophets, Isaiah is holding his book, and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, all of these prophecies which foretold that there would be a lamb that would come and there would be a Messiah. And behind them you have men in different outfits from different parts of the world, and you even have a non-Christian somehow made it in here. So that non-Christian is the guy in white with the laurel leaves around his head. He's the poet uh, Virgil who would have been honored, and in his poetry and writings, you, you can read that and realize he was hoping for a Messiah, and so he's a man of goodwill who tried to do what was right, and because of that, he made it into this heavenly scene. On the other side, on the bottom right, we have uh, some other men, another group of men coming, and these are the apostles, these are the men of the New Testament. So there you see even behind the apostles that are wearing those brown robes, St. Stephen has his vestments out and he's got them full of stones. He was the first Christian to be martyred by being stoned to death. And again, like the passion of our Lord, those awful things become beautiful things in the light of heaven. 
Now, I'm sure some of the women are wondering where you're at in the painting, and you're in the top right corner, right? So a whole group of women representing all the women of all time are there. And in the front, there are some saints that we can see. If you, One of them's holding a lamb, and that's Saint Agnes. Agnes means lamb in Latin. And Saint Dorothy has a basket of flowers. And Saint Ursula is there just behind her. She's holding a, an arrow. Uh, Saint Barbara is there holding, looks like a little building. All of those are symbols of their life and to distinguish who they are. And again, in those groups, there's nameless faces you can't see, and that's where we are called to be. Now, all of this kind of comes to a central meaning when you look at the painting uh, at the little baptismal font. So in this final slide, you can see this little structure that's in the shape of an octagon. And the water is flowing from there out of the painting, and, and this is a symbol of baptism because any Baptist font, especially in the time of Van Eyck, would have been built with eight different sides. So the, the number eight is the number for baptism, and there's a reason for that. In the waters of baptism, when we are baptized, we become a new creation. Right? We, there's such a grace that comes from being coming a child of God that we say it's a new creation. Well, the word creation, how many days did it take for God to create the whole world? Biblically, we say seven, six days and one to rest. So he created the world, and then on the eighth day, what did he do? That's where he made his next creation, the new creation, the heavenly Jerusalem all of us in our baptism become part of that creation. So that's where eight comes from. So it's an octagon. Our baptismal font is actually an octagon as well in the front of the church. All of this points to a beautiful Easter message from the readings today. There's two sacraments in this painting. There's baptism, and then there's the throne that's slain. Sorry, there's the lamb that is slain on the altar. And that is the, the Eucharist. When I hold up the host, it's broken in half. You think of what that means. It's the lamb standing as if slain. So there's two sacraments here. In the first reading, we read about the persecution of the first Christians and how hard it was. What allowed the first Christians to be able to go through the suffering that they, and they lived through was those two sacraments that built the church, baptism, and then they would go into their homes and small gatherings and they would break the bread, the Eucharist. They would celebrate Mass. For any Christian today to be able to live out truly the light and the joy of Easter means to be a light in our world, and our world is, is not doing well in so many ways. For a Christian to truly be a light, you have to be nourished by the bread of life and you have to be washed in the waters of baptism and that's why the church has in recent years always tried to stress that our baptism is the beginning of our life of grace it's it should mean everything for us it should be the best day of your life that's the moment we enter into the life of grace 
And then each and every day we have the gift of receiving the Eucharist, that food for our journey. So in this Easter season, as we celebrate today our mothers, right, who have given us life, and today let us also give thanks for the gift of divine life, right, through these two beautiful sacraments, and that when we receive the Eucharist today, that we will truly experience the gift of God dwelling within us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.